Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. It's time for From the Short Grass with Trey Shap, a golf podcast for those who love golf, struggle with golf, and just like to enjoy the outdoors and fellowship with friends, all while chasing a ball around trying to put it in a four and a quarter inch diameter hole. From the Short Grass is brought to you by Blackman Auctions. For over 80 years, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. And by Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. We partner with you to deliver high-yield results by managing, developing, and investing in top-quality hospitality assets. And now, from the short grass, here is your host, Trey Schaap. Welcome back to another edition of From the Short Grass. I am your host, Trey Schaap. Glad you have joined us for this edition. Got a special guest coming up a little bit later in this broadcast. I went out to Las Vegas for the National Football Foundation college football hall of fame induction ceremonies i didn't attend the ceremonies but i attended the press conferences that led up to it they inducted two classes this year the 2020 class and the 2021 class inducted into the 2021 class is a quarterback who really made his name in the nfl as opposed to college but he put up some monster numbers in his time at eastern illinois i'm talking about former dallas cowboy and current CBS television analyst, Tony Romo. You will hear from Tony Romo a little bit later in this edition of From the Short Grass. Coming up this weekend, Tiger Woods is going to make his return to competitive golf. He's going to play in the PNC Championship with his son, Charlie, and it's going to happen less than a year after his single-car accident almost required amputation of his leg. He's going to play with 12-year-old Charlie, and ironically, Joe LaCava is going to be on Tiger's bag, while LaCava's son is going to be on Charlie's bag. This event takes place this weekend at the Ritz-Carlton Golf Club in Orlando, Florida. You can watch it beginning at 11.30 on Peacock, 12.30 on Golf Channel, 1.30 on NBC, all on Saturday And then Sunday, the final round begins at 10 a.m. on Peacock, 11 a.m. on Golf Channel, and noon on NBC. The full field for this year's PNC Championship includes Rich and Michael Beam, Nick and Matthew Faldo, Tom and Michael Watson, Henrik and Carl Stinson, Nelly and Petra Korda, Stuart Sink and Reagan Sink, Bubba Watson and Wayne Ball, Tiger and Charlie Woods, Justin and Mike Thomas, Lee and Daniel Trevino, VJ and Kwas Singh, Nick and Greg Price, Gary and Jordan Player, Mark and Sean O'Mara, Tom and Sean Lehman, Matt and Cameron Kucher, Padraig and Patty Harrington, Jim and Tanner Furick, David and Brady Duvall, John Daly, and his son, Little John Daly, who is currently a member of the Arkansas Razorback golf team. While we are on the subject of Arkansas golf, and specifically the University of Arkansas, how about a quick shout-out to Brooke Matthews, a Rogers, Arkansas native, 
and member of the Arkansas Razorback women's golf team who earned her LPGA card for the 2022 season. Now, she has been one of the best collegiate golfers in the nation over the last year and a half. She finished tied for 30th at the 2021 LPGA Q Series, which was held in Dothan, Alabama. Her 7 under score placed her well above the cut line, which was 4 under in earning her 2022 LPGA card. She continues Arkansas women's golf long tradition of placing players on the LPGA Tour. She will join legendary hogs Stacy Lewis, Gabby Lopez, and Maria Fossey on tour, and also Elena Uriel, who placed 22nd at the LPGA Q Series to retain her LPGA status for the 2022 season. Brooke Matthews has a difficult decision to make. I've been told she's going to sit down with head coach Shauna Taylor and map out a plan. Will she stay on the Razorback roster, or will she forego the rest of her collegiate career and turn pro immediately? Stay tuned to From the Shortgrass. When that decision is made, we will have that announcement for you. I want to tell you about a new sponsor of From the Shortgrass, Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels can manage your hotel property. A hotel property that is well-managed will maximize revenue, increase staff productivity, and engagement. It will also provide your guests the best experience possible. The team at Beachwood Pinnacle is equipped to handle every aspect of your hotel's management, allowing you to relax, take a more hands-off role, and trust that your property is being managed with care. Most importantly, your profits won't disappear. In fact, in many cases, properties that transition their management to Beachwood Pinnacle enjoy revenue increases alongside average increases to their gross operating profit. Better yet, they provide full transparency, robust reporting, and have a proven track record of boosting hotel revenue with their responsive revenue management system. Find them on the web at bphotels.com. That's Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. We're back with more from the short grass after this. Stay with us. This is Thomas Blackman of Blackman Auctions. Trey asked me to sponsor a show for another few months. Even though I don't like golf, I do like his show. I have no idea how he gets the awesome variety of guests on his show, but it is entertaining and informative even for a horrible golfer like myself. I'm learning a lot about the game and about the passion for playing. So much so, I've started using my country club for more than Sunday brunch. Trey makes golf interesting. I make auctions interesting. For auctions, listen to me. For golf, listen to Trey. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. With all the decisions you need to make about what to do in El Dorado, finding a place to stay is an easy one. The Haywood is uniquely positioned to make your stay one to treasure. Located in the historic Union Square district of El Dorado, the Haywood offers luxurious accommodations that feature contemporary, colorful rooms with high-quality bedding, comfortable baths with walk-in showers, and a spacious workspace with stylish plantation shutters that are unique additions to the stunning decor in a non-smoking environment. Make the Haywood your home away from home the next time you visit El Dorado. Welcome back to this edition of From the Short Grass. Tony Romo was born in San Diego, California on April 21st, 1980, and he went to Eastern Illinois to play college football. He was undrafted out of Eastern Illinois in 2003. He signed with the Dallas Cowboys and played his entire NFL career with the Cowboys from 2003 to 2016. In his time at Eastern Illinois, he was a two-time Ohio Valley Conference champion, 
three-time Ohio Valley Conference Player of the Year and a three-time first-team All-Ohio Valley Conference. His number 17 jersey is retired at Eastern Illinois. He has most recently been inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame by the National Football Foundation. The ceremony was recently held in Las Vegas. I went out to Vegas to sit down with Tony Romo and talk about him going into the College Football Hall of Fame and his love for the game of golf. If you don't think Tony Romo loves golf, you are mistaken. On the tee, College Football Hall of Famer, former Eastern Illinois quarterback, and former Dallas Cowboy, Tony Romo. Tony Romo, thanks for joining me on From the Short Grass, and uh, congratulations. You're going into the National Football Foundation College Football Hall of Fame. First player ever from Eastern Illinois. How does that feel? Well, it's an incredible honor. I feel uh, you know, humbled by it, and I think it's one of those things that as a kid, you're hoping just to be able to compete and play, and then all of a sudden you wake up and you're here, and it's just uh, it's like a dream sometimes. And I feel it's uh, one of those things when you get an award like this and an honor, uh, it makes you think about everyone that helped you, you know, throughout your life and career. And there's so many. It's it's been a truly special uh, weekend or week. When you enrolled at Eastern Illinois, did you have aspirations of getting to the next level, the NFL, and and the road it would take coming from a small school like that, and then now to be where you are, uh, long career with the Dallas Cowboys and working with CBS as the lead analyst with Jim Nance, and yeah. now you're in the College Football Hall of Fame. I don't think you envision it like that. I think, honestly, you're just – I was – my biggest thing has always been about, like, improving, right? So it's like I want to be better tomorrow than I was today in, in anything, whether it's announcing or throwing a football or, um, you know, being a dad, a husband, and I'm trying, right? And you fail constantly in all these things. But I think uh, you can all of a sudden wake up and you get lucky and you're here. And it's like, well, it was just about day by day and working and trying to be good at your craft. And um, But there's a lot of stuff, a lot of forks in the road. You know, I've mentioned this before to people that come up and, you know, you need the good Lord's fortune and you need people around you to help you. And then all of a sudden you have an opportunity to do something that you love. When you see your name listed with the greats of college football, what goes through your mind? Well, it's funny because to me it's like you're you're not actually in that group. You know what I mean? So it's like I was the one watching all these people. And so they're like different and bigger and, and uh, faster, better and um, – you know, it's a humbling and it's an incredible honor, and I just feel fortunate. All right, let's talk a little golf real quick. You love the game. <laughs> that you know? I do. When did you start playing? Well, my dad, mom got me a set of clubs for Christmas when I was eight. But, uh, you know, I would just go out. My dad self-taught with him basically growing up. and then, But I would just play, but I would never practice, right? So it was like I'd go play nine holes with my dad or even uh, I played high school golf because I liked it, but... I wouldn't, like, go chip or putt or hit balls on really? a range. I'd show up and go play because it was fun. And then as I got older, obviously now I practice quite a bit. So now that you're retired from the NFL and you obviously work for CBS, how much time do you get to play? Well, I get to practice quite a bit. You know, at home I got – Wait, you practice now? <laughs> yeah, now I do practice. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Should have started then. Uh, but, you know, I'm a dad, three boys. I work on the weekends for football and other than that. You know, drop the boys off at school, um, go work out and do some back stuff, and then I go to the golf course and practice a little bit. So that's a normal routine. I understand 
You we have uh, a couple of good games at Merido. Yeah, we do throughout guys, yeah. the week. You got some good knowledge. Yes, we got some good guys over there. Some great players. Braden Thornberry, oh, Will yeah. Zalatoris. You do got a good podcast, and you know all these guys. Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. Uh, what, what's it like playing with those guys? Well, do you great. take any of their money? <laughs> Every once in a while, but they're really tough to take because they're they're you know really great players. And I think um, the funny thing is just. When you play with guys like that, you take away parts from everyone's game and you're trying to implement, right? With Thornberry, I mean, he takes about one second to putt and it's pure and it looks like it's going in every time. He's got one of the great putting strokes around and Will, just the ball striking is off the charts. And so I love studying and being around these guys because you can improve. How many times have you played Jim Nance's replica seventh hole? <laughs> I love it, yeah. It's a cool one. I actually made one one time, so I'm officially on his you're on his hole-in-one list. Yeah. Have you ever made one in your in real life? I have. Yeah, I actually made one last year at Trinity Forest, first one. So okay, that was pretty cool. Playing in the Pebble Beach Celebrity Pro Am, what was that like? And what was your favorite pro to play with? They were all great. I mean, I had a, some really good friends. I was able to play with. Like, started with John Daly. You know, there was a really fun year with Tiger. I played with him. That. He was in the second-last group with Phil Mickelson when Phil had that big Sunday. Just the environment there was really neat to see up close. And then uh, Jordan Spieth and some others, obviously, but Jim Furyk. I just really enjoyed it. I think they're all, like I said, wonderful players, but at the same time, just great people. You've tried to qualify for the U.S. Open. You're going to try to qualify for the senior U.S. Open when you get of age? <laughs> That'd be like asking if I'm going to be here one day. It's like you don't think about those things you know, when right. you're young. So <laughs> I'm not really young. But I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully turning the corner here. It's been a good few months here, so we'll see. Well, you've won the celebrity shootout yep. in Reno. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a start, right? Yeah, I mean, you've got to win something before you can <laughs> lose something else. All right, a couple more quick questions. Best golf course you've ever played? Oof, I can't say one. I mean, I love – I've always said – you know, just there's something nostalgic about your course you grew up on, right? The yeah. public course and everything. So there's something nostalgic there with Browns like golf course for me. Best score you've ever shot? Um, 63. 63, yeah. I shot 64 probably a handful of times this year. Wow. Three, four times probably. You've been working at it. Okay. Yeah, I'm finally actually turning a corner. It's only taken me better part of 40 years. So, <laughs> so yeah, the greatest anything. accomplishment on the golf course, was it winning that celebrity shootout in Reno? Mm. That was a big accomplishment. I mean, I've. Or would it be taking some money off of Zalatoris or Thornberry no, or Speed? It was actually winning a tournament because, you know, when you grow up, it's almost like any sport. You see the guys around you in your area that are great and you want to win. And so I won probably the tri-course this tournament with all the you know top ams in that southern part of the state in wisconsin and everything and that was a big deal for me in like oh four or something so that was like that felt big you know to me but growing up in wisconsin you didn't get the 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 time to play golf was oh, shorter than where it is now with living in dallas oh yeah no question i would say like i've started real practicing like four four and a half years ago right so it's like that's where i really started to study the game and get and try and uh, uncover ways to improve, you know, because it's not as easy as, um, as people know, it's not an easy one to improve at. All right, fantasy foursome. Anyone that you could play with, living or deceased, and what course do you want to play? 
Well, I mean, I would always want to play with, you know, my dad and my three boys. So it'd be like that's thing. And, um, golf course. I don't know. That's a good question. Would I want to go somewhere nostalgic, like back home, or would I want to go somewhere I haven't been? I think it would just be neat to be with those four. You know, when they're older, I can't wait to see. You know, something like that. That would be a really special, special honor for me to be able to do that. Would you rather them play quarterback in the NFL or be on the PGA Tour? <laughs> Whatever they want to do. As long <laughs> as they enjoy it, I'll, I'll be there to support them all day. Tony, thanks for uh, joining me, and congratulations on going into the uh, College Football Hall of Fame. Appreciate you. Great questions. That was nice. That's fun. My thanks to Tony Romo for taking some time out of his very busy schedule and sitting down with us here on From the Short Grass. Blackman Auctions. Blackmanauctions.com is where you need to go to look at all of the upcoming auctions and pay particularly close attention to this one. The Winter Arkansas Contractors Auction will take place on January the 27th. Blackman Auctions will begin accepting items for that auction on Monday, January the 17th. The deadline for delivery will be Tuesday, January the 25th at 4.30. That auction on the 27th will take place Thursday, January the 27th at 8 a.m., 425 Blackman Road in Lone Oak. For more information, go to blackmanauctions.com. Since 1938, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. We're back with more from the short grass after this. With all the decisions you need to make about what to do in El Dorado, finding a place to stay is an easy one. The Haywood is uniquely positioned to make your stay one to treasure. Located in the historic Union Square district of El Dorado, the Haywood offers luxurious accommodations that feature contemporary, colorful rooms with high-quality bedding. Comfortable baths with walk-in showers and a spacious workspace with stylish plantation shutters that are unique additions to the stunning decor in a non-smoking environment. Make the Haywood your home away from home the next time Time you visit El Dorado. This is Thomas Blackman of Blackman Auctions. Trey asked me to sponsor a show for another few months. Even though I don't like golf, I do like his show. I have no idea how he gets the awesome variety of guests on his show, but it is entertaining and informative even for a horrible golfer like myself. I'm learning a lot about the game and about the passion for playing. So much so, I've started using my country club for more than Sunday brunch. Trey makes golf interesting. I make auctions interesting. For auctions, listen to me. For golf, listen to Trey. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Welcome back to this edition of From the Short Grass. It's now time for our weekly rules segment on the tee. PGA Master Professional, Adam Carney. Adam, a couple of weeks ago at the Solheim Cup matches, Team USA, I forgot actually who it was, hit a putt, and the ball kind of next to the hole. I don't know if it was really overhanging or not, but it. let's say it was. The opponent, though, picked up the ball and the compet- picked up the competitor's ball. And so they basically didn't give the ball a chance to fall in the hole right. if it was, since it was so close. So right. what is the ruling there, and when can they concede that next stroke, or should they just step back and wait a while? Well, so an opponent can only concede a stroke when a ball's at rest. Um, so I, I believe in that situation, they went back to video evidence, saw that the ball was overhanging the hole. Um, and when a ball is overhanging the hole, the rules simply state that the player has a reasonable amount of time, uh, plus 10 seconds to determine if the ball is at rest. 
as it's overhanging the hole. As we all know, ball can sit on the edge of the hole for three, four, five, six seconds, and then all of a sudden gravity takes over and the ball falls in the hole. So this rule, is, in match play in particular, has, has kind of changed a, a little bit over the years. But um, the, the European player, um, on her own recognizance, determined that the ball was at rest, and she doesn't have the ability to do that because it was determined the ball was overhanging the hole. So the end result was the, the putt was considered to be hold because you know she she caused that you know she lifted that ball that was overhanging the hole which is not determined to be at rest so um you know there have been some changes over the years with that rule i remember an incident with paul azinger um a few years ago uh several years ago as a matter of fact where i can't remember if paul's the one that conceded a putt while the ball was moving but there was a situation where billy was at a Ryder cup or something similar uh where a putt was missed and it was past the hole. Um, the ball was still rolling. I think it was Azinger slapped the ball back to his opponent and he was penalized for that. At which point, you know, the argument became the ball's six feet past the hole. Not going to go in. Exactly. Doesn't have a chance. It's not like it's going up a right. slope or an undulation it, exactly. of the green and have a chance to come back. Exactly. So there was some verbiage added um, to the decisions book at that time um, that allowed the player to you know, concede that next putt, you know, as long as there was, I believe the, the, the verbiage was no reasonable expectation the ball could return to the hole or the proximity of the hole and go in. Um, so it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, hey, ball's over the hang. If it's even close, don't, don't even mess with it. It's okay for the player to say, hey, that's good, but it's also okay for the opponent that, that played the stroke to say, well, I'm going to walk up there and wait my 10 seconds and then see what happens. Um, but when the opponent slapped it back, that's that's when the breach occurred and, and the ball was deemed to be hold at that point. Match play has some crazy, crazy rules. Uh, I mean, the rules are consistent. The, you know, obviously the penalty statement's different. You know, right. one-stroke one penalties translate into one-stroke penalties. But um, loss of loss holes? Loss of hold. Yeah, typically a two-stroke penalty is, is going to result in a loss of hole penalty. Um, so yeah, match play. There are subtle differences to match play, right? So playing out of turn, um, can you know, player can or opponent can cancel and, and cause them to replay. Um, you know, great example we always said was you know, player plays out of turn from the team, granny hits it out of bounds. I'm not going to require him to cancel and replay. That's right. Uh, the other hand is for playing a par three and he hits it a foot. <laughs> I'm going <gonna have> <laughs> to cancel and have him replay it. So y- that's one of the you know crazy ones. And then we get into to, to four ball match play. Um, now you've got two players against two players, and there are penalties that can apply to one player on one side, and there are penalties that can apply to the side as a whole. So um, when you get into some of those different forms of play, which we typically don't see um, in four-ball match play other than the cup matches, whatever they may be, the President's Cup, the, the Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, Walker Cup, um, probably not the same so much in New Orleans when we're playing four-ball stroke play, um, although there are some rules there. Um, carrying more than 14 clubs is, mm-hmm. a, is a side you know, penalty to the side But if one player does it. But, um, yeah, match play, match play is a little bit different. And, and the thing to remember is – you know, the rules of golf were really initially written for match play. The game was a match play game to begin with. Stroke play really became more popular with the advent of television because it was a lot easier to to televise it, number one. 
And number two, if the best players in the world happen to get knocked out early in the tournament, nobody's going to watch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's why most of the the competitions, even four majors, are all stroke play competitions. The PGA Championship used for to be many, match many, play. many years was match play, right? Um, up until the late fifties, early sixties, I believe, um, that was a match play tournament. So. And you have some clubs now that like to do these cup matches uh-huh. where they are playing match play. So it's good that everybody knows kind yep. of the, the basis of the match play rules. It is. And, you know, this is the time of year when those matches are going on. And um, I get a lot of calls. I had one yesterday. Um, and it's it's one of those things where, hey, look, let's look at this rule together. You know, what does it say? Um and the thing about being a rules official is it's 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 not like calling balls and strikes as an umpire. I mean, the, yes, there is some level of discernment because you get situations that may or may not be distinctly covered by the rules where we have to determine a player's intent, um, things like that. Um, so when we have a rule in black and white where it says, hey, if player A does this and player B does this, the result is this. Um, whereas an umpire can determine any pitch as a ball or a strike. So it, it's hard, um, and I hate to put this on parents of junior golfers, but that's where we see it the most, is they, they kind of look at that uh, from a baseball or a football standpoint and say, you know, hey, that wasn't a flag or that, you know, that was definitely a ball. Sure. And, and they want to get involved. They just don't realize the intricacy of the rules of golf and that they really are in black and white. And the person... Uh, a committee member that's making that ruling is not just making a determination determination based on what he or she thinks, but rather what do the rules say? So in that way, we're, we're, we're kind of like judges sometimes where we're, we're just reading the law, right? Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. the law say? The law says you can't do this. Did you do this? Yes, I did this. Here's the penalty. That's Adam Carney with our weekly rules segment and kind of an interesting one that happened at the Solheim Cup earlier this year. Do you know how many players earned over a million dollars last season on the PGA Tour and how high that number could go this next season? The PGA Tour season wrapped up with the Tour Championship back in September when Patrick Cantlay won the FedEx Cup and $15 million. A record 124 players earned at least $1 million in tournament prize money payouts. Basically, if you held a full-time PGA Tour card, you made seven figures. Number 124 was Tyler McCumber, who played in 25 events and made only 10 cuts but had two top six finishes in the super season. That was a longer season that they needed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Purses are so big that a player can post only a couple of top tens and have a few other solid finishes to assure himself of $1 million. We can expect the number of single-season millionaires to climb again in the 2021-22 campaign, facing potential competition from the Greg Norman-led and Saudi-funded schedule on the Asian Tour. PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan notified players in November that there would be a huge jump in purses for 2022. Total prize money will go from $367 million to $427 million, with the average tournament purse going up by $1 million. So the trickle-down effect for even those on the middle of the leaderboard should be significant, and the rich will get richer. The top prize for winning this season's FedEx Cup 
will be $18 million. Over the last decade, the top season earner, not including bonuses, has made between $7 million and $9 million, with Jordan Spieth topping that group when his five wins in 2015 pushed him to $12 million. Can you say cha-ching? Golf Week recently listed its top 100 courses you can play and top private courses as well throughout the country. They also went state by state. So here are the top five courses in Arkansas that you can play. Number one, Mystic Creek down in El Dorado. Number two, the Ridges at Village Creek over in Wynn, Arkansas. Number three, Big Creek in Mountain Home. Number four, Stonebridge Meadows in Fayetteville. And number five, Prairie Creek in Rogers. The top four private courses inside Arkansas, according to Golf Week. Number one, the Elotion Club in Roland. Number two, Texarkana Country Club. Number three, the Blessings. And number four, Hartscrabble Country Club. Hartscrabble Country Club next year will be hosting the Arkansas State Golf Association State Amateur in mid-May. That will do it for this edition of From the Short Grass. But before I leave you, I have a couple of golf quotes to leave you with. This from Gary Player. Golf is a puzzle without an answer. I've played the game for over 50 years and I still haven't the slightest idea of how to play. And how about this quote from Ben Hogan? As you walk down the fairway of life, you must smell the roses, for you only get to play one round. I hope your next round on the golf course is a good one, and when you find your ball mark on the green, repair it and a couple of more. And I hope to see you from the short grass. You've been listening to From the Short Grass, a weekly podcast dedicated to the game of golf. This has been a presentation of the Buzz Radio Network.